Welcome to Behind the Curl, where connection is created with one another through the sharing of the personal natural hair stories and experiences, as well as natural hair education brought to you by myself. I am a naturally textured curly hair specialist. I am also your host, Amy Bush, and I invite you to join me as we celebrate what is natural, beautiful, and authentic. Welcome back to another episode of Behind the Curl with me as your host, Amy Bush. I'm pretty excited to be bringing a special podcast to you today. I've been looking forward to this one because I specifically thought about Tracy. And I think you will immensely enjoy the conversation we're going to have today. She has a wealth of knowledge and I'm going to let Tracy tell you all about who she is and a little bit of her background and story. And then we'll get into the good stuff or the other good stuff. All righty. Well, thank you so much, Amy, for having me here. Um, I truly appreciate, especially uh, our topic today, uh, talking about black hair and some of the histories of it and all of that good stuff, especially, like I say, doing Black History Month. Um, although we know we, black history is not just limited to one month, but since it's here, I think that's very um, uh, credible of you to uh, do a show like this you know, to talk to, and hopefully it lands in the hands of people that need to hear it, and young uh, women and things of that sort, to understand their hair, specifically young Black women, to understand their hair and be proud of their crown. So thank you so much for having me here today. Oh, well, thank you for joining me. I always enjoy our conversations. I always learn something new from you. Um, and I agree that this is some information that needs to be shared, like you said, particularly with Black women, but also everybody, you know, everybody can appreciate the history and the knowledge because especially today's um, fashions, we know that there is such a crossover of different cultures and different backgrounds of hair. And I think it just helps us to understand ourselves a bit more. Yes, definitely. So I had taken some notes. and because when you, you had asked me to do this, I said, okay, I would like to just not much, just talk about hair and afros. I said, maybe we need a little scientific, something sciencey in there. So uh, my husband is a scientist. He's a chemist. So I, I picked his brain. So I, I'm citing him. You know, you have to cite your sources. <laughs> so I'm citing his, uh, his contributions to the talk. And so we were talking about... Uh, you know, why our hair is the way it is, the the tight curl, the curl, coily tight hair. And so we were talking and doing some research. And so we came up with what we found was that um, black hair have what is called like sulfite bond, protein. And it, it acts as a filtration system uh, for our type of hair in our body. And oftentimes, um, Black hair uh, in ancient times, ancient Africa, and even now, the reason why for its coily, curly type hair is also was to keep us cool in the hot temperatures over in ancient Africa and Africa today. Um, and I thought that was interesting when I was reading that. Cause I'm like, wow, that do that makes sense because um, I know when I was in college and I did a study abroad program over in uh, Senegal, West Africa. Um, 
I noticed that my hair, I wasn't as hot as I thought I was going to be. I just assumed it was going to be, uh, you know, just terribly hot, but it wasn't. I was, it was very cool. And so I, I found myself like, wow, okay, wow, this is something, you know, my Afro is really working. And I never, I didn't even think about it in, because at that time, uh, natural hair was not popular. Um, so that's many moons ago, but, um, I remember thinking that. So when I was reading that about, uh, another reason why how nature does things um, and, 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 you know, how it does with our bodies and, and environmental. And I said, wow, that's very creative. So we wouldn't, you know, to keep us cool. So a form of uh, air conditioner, <laughs> air condition and um, form of filtration systems to relieving toxins, things of that sort. So that was interesting. I wanted to share that. Well, no, it, it is fascinating that when we look at nature, right, and we are a part of nature, okay, we're mammals, that depending upon where the origination is of an animal, okay, even still, if you look at dogs, for example, right, our environment shapes the way that our bodies, our DNA gets developed for that area so that you can better survive and thrive within that area. And I'm gonna just pause here for a moment. Tracy has access to lots of reading. So, you know, so before we get any further, Tracy, give us a little bit of your background and, you know, what you do and um, how you have all this information. Uh, well, I, my career was, I started off as a public librarian. I was a youth librarian. And then throughout there, uh, and of course, librarianship is not just reading books, but we do have access to a lot of information. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I started off as a public librarian, and now I'm a research librarian at, at an institution here in Ohio. And uh, so, yeah, I do take pride in finding and reading a lot of information, especially uh, when it has to do with uh, my culture being Black, African American, because we didn't get that a lot in the schools. And when we did get something, it was always from a, uh, you know, a negative point of view of being conquered and things of that sort. So that that's one benefit of being a librarian. I have access to a lot of information that's not taught. In and you also are involved in a lot of other projects that can make, either have made, or even have the potential of making a big impact on others' lives. And you had talked about doing an event up in Cleveland, Ohio, on natural hair. And then you've also got some other accomplishments. <laughs> oh, yes. Right. Yes, in uh, Cleveland, we did a big program on natural hair. And I mean, it was just Thousands of people came out. I didn't even think it was going to be that big. And we had a doctor come out and she talked about some of the things about why our hair is the way it is because of the proteins and stuff, different things in there. And that was very interesting for her to come out and share that. And um, just talking about black hair and some of the historical background uh, that black hair um, 
has uh, knit in tradition. Like uh, one thing is back as the early 15th century, um, it was a hierarchy, hierarchy type so, uh, socially for different uh, areas in ancient Africa. Um, so certain types of, um, like I can say, hierarchy of people uh, wore elaborate hairstyles with certain symbols and beads and things in that sort of coins, things in that sort into their hair. I, I've learned that through, of course, doing the program and also just reading up on uh, hair, black hair. And also uh, at certain times in uh, rites of passages, uh, black hair symbolized fertility that, uh, especially like if it was growing really thick and long and, and neat and things of that sort, that uh, sent messages to other young men that the, the status of where you were in life as a woman. So uh, it had a lot of different meanings back in the day, the way different uh, tribe and women uh, wore their hair. I think that you and I had started talking too about some of the care and, you know, taking, like cleansing the hair and different ingredients that were used or, you know, things that they pulled from the earth and how they protected the hair. What were some of those things that you had learned? Uh, yeah, so I've learned a lot with uh, me being natural is a lot of it has to do with your diet. Um, and I see that with your diet, it does come out through your hair and how um, how internally <laughs> you are with uh, eating proper foods, hydration. Um, I think that has a lot to do with just like a plant that grows when you feed it and put it in a nice environment. So um, I think diet and also washing it, as much natural products as I can, I can find. I like using things like uh, castor oil, uh, Yehoba oil, different types of oils I use on my hair. Uh, I, I'm a swimmer, so I like to swim a lot. So I have to think of things because that chlorine is so drying on my hair. And I just refuse to give it up, <laughs> you know. Yeah, no, that's okay. And even in some of the episodes uh, previously that have already been released, I've talked about that. I've talked about disulfide bonds. I've talked about the chlorine and how to minimize damage and how to prevent some of it, and how an aftercare. So you're touching on some subjects that if listeners have already listened to some of the other episodes, they've both been hearing some consistencies oh, here. Awesome. So that's great. Now, one of the things I really wanted to talk about was an overview of kind of the history of how we, and I want to come up through the ages and um, talk about how it has been affected, right? So either styles or care of black hair to um, perception, positive, negative, and kind of maybe like through some of the decades. So we talked about ancient. So if we were to start bringing it up into a little bit more modern, how far back would you go? Would you go to the 1500s, 1800s, 1900s? Where would you start as far as to be able to bring us up to? Yes, yeah, so I would start with, as I stated, like the early 15th century. I didn't go back far, 
farther than that. But um, I would say like in the early 15th centuries, as I stated, uh, certain type of hairstyles were uh, socially hierarchy in its um, villages and tribes. It sent certain messages as far as fertility for young women. Um, if someone was mourning a loss, I had read up, you know, their hair would not be done. Um, it would not be, uh, they, it shows that they paid very little to their hair. Um, so that's how people would know um, if someone was going through something. Also, one tradition that I have researched, which I do find it being true, is that when um, we were getting, when we get our hair done, hair was entrusted to like close relatives and friends um, because it was a time to socialize and commune with, um, you know, your family members, your friends and things like that. And I thought that was very uh, resonated as a reality for me because that's how it is in the black community, getting your hair done or braided or however, that is a time that you talk about family or however, dating. Just like how you know, as a beauty salon, you talk about everything. So I thought that was interesting that I had learned that that is part of uh, the culture that you entrust uh, close relatives and friends. So looking at, um, and I just wanted to lay some of those foundations of how historically black hair, how it means. Uh, but if we look at like different other parts still in the ancient times, like say, Namibia, uh, Northwest in Africa, um, they were tried, there were locks. So sometimes um, certain locks uh, indicated a, a, a person's age. So, um, and they did also add extensions to those locks. Uh, goat hair, butter, I, I remember reading, and some type of other material, okra or something like that, but they did add uh, to the hair. So uh, when you see Black women today wearing weave and things in that sort. We did wear have, have extensions back in ancient times. So let me see, like like teenagers uh, back in, I'm still in ancient times, will wear strands of locks that, that hung over their face. So that symbolized like they were going through uh, puberty. When you look at uh, ancient times and understanding the history, and we have to as a people, to be honest, Amy, because so much has been hidden and not shared with who we are, uh, where we come from. So when you do see someone passionate about their culture, it's because things have been hidden so much. So if something simple is like the hair. You really have to look at uh, because we didn't know. We just thought, oh, that's all these. I mean, I'm moving up time, but oh, straightening your hair more, you know, looking more European because that would be more acceptable. But because we weren't taught these certain traditions, um, unfortunately, due to the uh, slave enslavement of my ancestors, we weren't taught certain hairstyles wore in your face is meaning your puberty or that when your hair was long, thick and, and just beautiful, uh, that meant you're, you're ready, you're, you're fertile. You're ready to, so we don't talk these certain rites of passages. So I think it's important for Black women to understand that as well, the history behind our hair. I think that understanding the history behind the hair also helps with being able to embrace the natural. Mm -hmm. 
because when you were talking about, you know, these ancient rituals, these signification of the different styles and the different looks and what they meant, that is natural hair. That is not hair that has been straightened into something that it's not. And I think what's important for a lot of these women to know well, let me back up. A lot of women that come into me that are looking to transition into their natural hair that have been wearing it straight for so long is that they have either not been told that, that those stories have not been passed down. The information has not been passed down and they're, they're scared of their natural. They don't know what's underneath and they want to embrace it, but they're not sure. But I think that understanding why wearing straightened hair came about and how and how that was connected to the forgetting and the not knowing of the information because that came about like you said that was a survival method of having to become assimilated into a new culture and so then therefore you have to take on another culture and make it your own even though it's not the deepest truth of that. And not that I am against straightening. Somebody can straighten their hair. Somebody can do, I mean, I'm not going to tell somebody that they can't if they want to choose it as a form of fashion, or maybe it's easier for them to handle their hair. That's not what I'm saying, but I'm just saying that to do it just because that's all you know is different than choosing it because it's something you want to do. And I think that a lot of people just in general don't understand where that got started and how that got started and how having to take on styles in society wasn't just a fashion trend. Right. Yeah. And so when I think of it, like I'll go back to a time that people are probably a little bit more familiar with Madam CJ Walker, mid, you know, like I mid 1800s you know, like, I don't know, it might've been and towards the end. And, you know, she was helping black women on a whole nother level. She was a philanthropist. She helped build colleges. She helped build, you know, um, financial security for women. So she did a lot of things beyond just hair, but a lot of it started because of the lack of knowledge of taking care of hair and having issues of the scalp and issues of the hair because of the way that people were trying to take care of it. You know, products today are very different than products were back then. Products back then were very harsh. You know, they were using lye and lye is very strong. So if you've never had a relaxer and you don't know what lye is, then you don't understand the amount of damage that can be done to the scalp and the hair because it's literally burning it. It is chemically changing those strands of hair so that they stay permanently straight. And so if we kind of look at what she did then because of the way that women were wearing their hair, not as much natural still, they were still trying to even straighten it with hot combs. You know, there was a lot of that. So then, and then we look at, and now things that also affect what happens in fashion in general across the board is the economy, the demographics of where you live, if there was a war, if there wasn't a war, 
Um, we know that it also can be affected by hemlines. Hemlines of the dresses went up. And guess what? So did the hair. Hair got cut shorter and had more yeah. bobs. So, you know, when we look at some of those time factors and we look at black hair in particular in those times and how it was trying to fit in with all of that, you know, um, getting the smooth straight curls, getting the smoothness, you know, and the perception of natural hair being dirty or some people using the word nappy or, you know, derogatory type terms yes. mm -hmm. that went into that um, and go through. And then eventually there was a shift in time that probably would have been around like, let's see. Well, it was about reclaiming history, reclaiming power. And that would have been in the 60s, the civil rights movement. So, yeah, so go ahead and take it from there, Tracy. The civil rights movement. Yeah, the 60s, yes. Oh, yes, yes, definitely. Um, well, back then, it, you're right that uh, oftentimes uh, we were starting to Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, you know, them sharing about the different uh, discrepancies that we were going through. So therefore, you saw things loosening up a little bit. Uh, they're hiring Blacks in um, industrial areas. So therefore, they're making a little more money or so. And so therefore, that comes into play. You wanted them wanting to look more European. Uh, you did have that. Um, so therefore, and then Madam C.J. Walker, exactly, we love and appreciate, but sometimes that did help towards us wanting to look European uh, with some of her products because they weren't promoting the natural curl pattern. Although we, we, we respect our ancestors, her creativity during that time. I'm sure that had to be you know, hard and difficult, a black entrepreneur coming up doing those things. I'm sure she, she would have some stories to tell. But um, yes, um, I think during that era, we did have a lot of um, misconceptions of, and not pr proud of ourselves. So the 60s changed things. You had people were wearing more of their Afro. You saw more of the uh, I'm black and I'm proud. I think James Brown came out with that then. And then you saw... Uh, uh, just a lot of the famous poets, Angela Davis, a lot of them, you know, showcasing their afros and things and that sort. So yes, people, we started black women, men started being proud of their natural hair. So that was during a very encouraging, empowering time. And then you saw later, fast forward, uh, the Eurocentric look started becoming more popular now. The perm, uh, we wanted the perms, we wanted the bob. Um, even, and I know this may be controversy and I'm open to talk, challenge for the debate or whatever, but, you know, we wanted to start bleaching our hair to, to wear the blonde. Now, through, historically, there are ancient African tribes where they do have blonde hair and curly hair. I have seen that. So that kind of throws that out. So if someone says, uh-uh, we had blonde hair too, that's right. But I don't think they knew that coming into the 70s and 80s. And so I remember that also, some of the uh, conditioning, the brainwashing that we had. 
and not accepting who we who we are, are, you know, how we look naturally. I think that if we jump forward in this last, I don't know, 10 years or so, we're seeing a lot more of just plain creativity with hair across the board, like the vivid colors, the fantasy colors, um, where, and that I see being strongly influenced by anime coming out of some of the Asian culture. So I see some of these other cultures from on the other side of the world coming in and influencing, and I'm seeing a blend in this younger, newer generation, a blending of that. Um, So when they are coloring their hair blonde, these teenagers, I think it speaks of something different than, than it does with in the past, where it was more about assimilation, then breaking free, reclaiming the power, reclaiming the autonomy. And then I have seen that shift now to where it's a little bit more global influence. Would you agree with that? Yes, 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 definitely. Yes, definitely. I agree with you with that because I see at my son's high school, I see even black teens uh, with green hair and yellow on the other side and things of that sort. And I know anime is real big. Uh, my son's into anime and things like that. So they, they love the stories and I see them. I'm like, wow, when I go when he play, he plays band. So when I go and I'm like, I'm just looking at the young people like, wow, everyone, it's just a whole different culture now. And I don't even know if it speaks to black culture. It's just, this is, it's just different now with this generation. So I really can't speak on that, but I do see a difference. Like you say, it's moved away from, uh, you know, reclaiming the power to now, uh, back to the it went to the Eurocentric era, looking that way. Now we're moving more into the like you say the this anime. Uh, I don't even know what to call it, but it's different. So yeah, and I I I personally find the history of hair and how closely it's tied into the world and what's going on around us. It's just fascinating to me. Um, like even going through like the eighties, what the eighties, you know, signified versus the seventies. So like we talked about the sixties and that what that was about. And then that natural hair, because I remember my dad had very curly hair. He was typical Caucasian, you know, but European background, but very tight curls. And I remember him having a little fro and letting his sideburns come down and you I mean, you know, having that longer hand hair. And I remember being enthralled with Suzanne Summers and her hair. And then in the 80s, loving Tina Turner, you know, and her craziness with her, you know, her hair was all kinds of things. And, you know, just to name some, you know, of those coming through. And then, you know, in that, the 90s, I saw a lot of changes, you know, because when you think about it, early 90s, we then had another war. and that influenced a lot of dress, a lot of music. We had a lot more um, non-gender specific type roles coming out. And, you know, women were wearing crew cuts, you know, flat tops. I was doing a lot of those. And some of these women looked amazing. Pulled it off beautifully. And then 
that's where I started seeing a lot more women also being brave enough to like take it all the way down or to wear it bald and being able to say, do you know what? I am not my hair now. And that was, in, you know, because we went from hair being so significant and having it to now women. And like I said, yeah, it's really yeah, it's going, yeah. I'm going to remove this whole aspect yeah. from it, but it still makes a statement. The lack of hair still makes a statement of having control over themselves yeah. and what they're presenting to the world. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm glad you remember the, uh, that time. And I think was that I think it was was it Grace Jones? Oh yeah, out there. And then she and we saw her box cut, and so we started. Yeah, we did uh, get the tapers, and mm -hmm. and it was nice. I think I had one. I think I might have been in junior <laughs> high, but I think I did try that one time with mine. And then I liked how it grow it was growing out to the curliness. And things in that sort, but I, I think I tried the Grace Jones look too. But yeah, that was really that technotronic music back then. Um, that's when more of the electronic music. Yeah. And so yeah, you did see more of that uh, that sharp, the sharp, yeah, the sharper shapes, shape, strong, yeah. strong shapes, and that strong. I think Grace Jones was such a oh i don't know front runner pioneer like so iconic with that strong woman yeah presentation just the way she looked and the way she sang and you know the things that she wore yeah and um yeah that was yes that was really <laughs> that was a nice era but i would like to uh touch back on maybe we can come back on again yeah. uh with the um uh, the 60s, the civil rights and the 70s uh, era, because that's kind of where we were before this generation uh, moving more into, like you say, the anime. Yeah. Not too long ago, we were coming back around. I'm saying when you go back, not this current, but when you go back, we were coming back to that, where people were young, uh, black women were like, I'm not getting the, the the perms, the lie no more, put in my hair, because I did it. I had to lie, and, and it was flowing when I was in college, and I'm turning my head. <laughs> so that's true. So maybe we can come back on that at another time and uh, dive deeper into that era, because we were coming back to that era. Yes. Uh, right before this generation moved on to anime. It was a and very, yeah, it was a very yeah. significant time frame. And I would like to delve into that more. Um, so what we'll do is we will be coming back for a part two here, folks. And we're going to get more into it. And if you have questions and you want them answered on here what, while Tracy and I are talking at the next episode, please feel free to send me uh, those questions. And we'll try to cover our bases on that. And right before we get off here... Uh, Tracy, I would like you to share a little bit about the title and the book that you have. Oh, sure. Oh, my goodness. I didn't even uh, bring it up. But it's Disenfranchisement, um, the study, exploring the study of Black and African-American students and their relationship with libraries. So we dive into that uh, in the book, me and my co-author, uh, Dr. Amanda Folk. So we go into that and we talk about how libraries affect 
students of color, Blacks and African Americans, uh, with graduation rates. We talk about all of their uh, information literacy skills and things in that. So, so maybe next time we come back, we can share some of the data. Yeah. We interviewed uh, students on the campus, uh, the university, and we interviewed them to find out their relationships. Libraries, how have they been and things that they experienced. So yeah, that'd be great. Um, I would like to come back and talk about that. And I, I mean, I just found the information that you were telling me about the book fascinating. And I think that the listeners would too. Well, wonderful. Thank you for coming on today, Tracy. It's always a pleasure. I appreciate it. But I'd like to say one thing that, and leave you with this. I would like to say I'm just very grateful and honored to have met you and that you have taken the time to understand um, Black hair. I love the way you cut my hair, color, treat it. And I just want to say just, you know, you just don't find that a lot where you've taken the time to research and study. And you didn't have to do that because you could have just stuck with, you know, other races and and got paid off of that. But you took time and tapped into a market that I don't even that much see. I mean, you do have uh, black stylists that do natural hair. But um, I just would like to say I just appreciate you taking the time providing good feedback for me, what to do with my hair, and it works. So I just, your shop is just more than just a place to come get your hair done. It's really uh, been a just a really treat to, um, you know, and to meet you and to, to for you just taking time to study and this type of hair. You don't have this type of hair, but you took time out, and that's just kudos to you, big time. Thank you. Thank you, Tracy. I just, you know, for me, it's all about the richness. And I just don't feel that I can have one side of the coin without the other side of the coin. And for me, my life is way richer by being able to include everyone. And I guess that ends up being the true term of inclusivity, right? Being able to include that in. And so my, my life is better for meeting everyone else and being able to have the honor of working on everyone's hair. And so I feel just as blessed. Well, you're awesome with it because I love the way you cut my hair. My husband, my mom, they're like, oh, yeah, she knows what she's doing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I just wanted to say just I, I love your hands. <laughs> Thank you for that. Thank you. I appreciate you. Wonderful. All right. Well, um, you will be getting a part two because Tracy and I are not done. <laughs> We're going to Thank yeah. you. Thank you so All much. Right. If you have really enjoyed listening today and would like to have me address any questions you may have, or if you are inspired to be interviewed on this podcast with your story, with either your success journey or you would even appreciate extra help with your curls, send all correspondence to me at ambushedcurlacademy at gmail.com. I would love to add your voice and inspire other listeners. Now I have an opportunity that is special for all of you that are hairstylists, or maybe you are not, but you know a hairstylist. And if you were inspired by what you heard and seeking to expand your curl education, I'd like to invite you to visit the Ambushed Curl Academy website. 
There you will find my online curl education course I created in order to inspire other hairstylists. If you have any questions, I can be reached at ambushedcurlacademy at gmail.com and I would love to hear from you. Thank you for joining me today. It has been a pleasure to have this opportunity to celebrate natural curls with you. And until we meet again, love your curls and embrace the natural beauty that is uniquely you.